We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, we are coming at you on Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the new year. But if you're watching this on your old YouTube, you'll see that I am wearing the same clothes as I was for Sunday's episode. And that is because we are recording this on Sunday night after me and Jeremy recorded our usual episode. Um, and that's fine because we're not talking about the current Nick, so to speak. We're talking everybody's favorite topic and that's trades. Jeremy Cohen, is there anything you like more in life than talking about NBA trades? No, there just isn't. There's nothing. You could say illegal things. I won't talk. Could, but there are people watching, so they will be, they'll know. So, you know, I'm just going to say. A nice block of cheese. I was going to say a nice Chianti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Chianti, some fava beans. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I think, Evan Fournier's liver. <laughs> we, we, already. Perfect. We're going off the rails early because we just recorded an hour. So it's we did. like. This, we did. Yeah. But no, I think the. This is. This is great. I love doing this. I'm glad we can keep doing this. Um, yeah. And we, and let's just say a little behind the scenes, we wanted to do this now because like, obviously we're going to have more trade content, um, as the trade deadline gets, gets closer, but we haven't done one of these trade episodes in what it's been about a month. It has. Yeah. Since like the, the unofficial start of trade season, um, at the beginning of December. And now we're, we're further enough away from that. Um, but still further enough ahead of the actual trade deadline where we feel like it's a good time to do a, a quick little. I don't know, a refresher, um, recalibration, perhaps, of where things stand. Um, and of course, this will um, be a, a Jeremy Cohen starring episode. So I, I don't have anything else at the top unless there's anything else you, you want before we get into this. The one thing I'll add. So the last time that we did this, it was really when there was the report about four different players on the Knicks, Emmanuel Quickly, Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier, and Derek Rose were mentioned in trade talks. and. The direction that I went with at the time was I looked at the stars and I looked at the undesirable contracts. And John, wouldn't you know it, there are a lot of players in between some of the best and some of the worst contracts that you got in the league, both players and contract-wise. So I thought, what better way for us to go about this than to also incorporate a lot of other names for players who are ranging from not very good to average to very good. Because it's all part of the plan. So that's the one thing I want to sprinkle in. It will we'll still be focusing more on the idea of the Knicks kind of trading from excess. Excess specifically meaning, you know, the 23 or 24 million dollars or so that Evan Fournier and Cam Reddish have, figuring out things out. It's I will say at the top, this is going to be a slightly different cap or no cap compared to what we've done before. It's very similar, but it's not going to be, you know, like, hey, this is a a mock trade framework salary wise. A lot of people can do that on their own. I wanted to look at something a little different 
And I think that will certainly be accomplished as we go through it. Yeah. And I guess I'll just, my only two cents I'll add before I uh, let you go off and running is like, so we're recording this before the Suns game. Um, the Knicks are after they play the Suns, either going to be twenty and eighteen or or nineteen and nineteen. Um, they're they're a five hundred team, more or less. Um, I think we can feel pretty comfortable assuming that this front office, if they have their druthers, would like to be a slightly above five hundred team by the time they get towards the playoffs and you know not that you know the sixth seed or the fifth seed or something is a is it's you know playoffs or bust like I, I think there's a world where this front office could be very happy getting seventh maybe even the eighth like there are different things but I I, I do think we are entering a range where if you were to tell me that the front office is looking to explore potential opportunities to improve the present day Knicks between now and the trade deadline, like I don't think that's a ridiculous statement, and I'm sure you're going to get into this as we as we move forward. Absolutely, I and I completely agree. They're not going to try to get worse. The only reason they get worse, as we mentioned in the last episode, would be if someone like Jalen Brunson were out for a longer period of time. <laughs> Other than that, there's no reason to. Um, it's just not part of their plan. So, without further ado, I'm going to share. Next trade deadline 2.0. This is very much let's build the bench out. So at the top of the show, I'll just mention, I don't believe that the Knicks are going to do anything too drastic. I think they're, they recognize that the bench needs some boosting the starting five that they have in place. It's working. I don't see any reason to change that unless a legitimately great player becomes available. The odds of that happening at this deadline are on the slimmer side. Would you the healthy starting five, we should say. Um, yeah. Um, Trying to think who's the who's the best player I could realistically envision becoming available at the deadline. I I mean we we talked about OG and Obi last time. He's I guess he would still probably be my most logical, but I'm not even sure how realistic that is. Yeah. yeah. And I think in a similar vein, if we're talking Siakam, if the Raptors really want to blow it up, but they could still find ways to trade around the roster, still prioritize a player like Siakam. They they're gonna be the biggest wild card in my mind but outside of you know I, you know i like og Ananobi quite a lot outside of him i still don't necessarily see it working this year unless the price is too good price isn't going to be too good it's going to be a lot to get him that's why i think they're going to do something on the more minor side and and we should also just say like this is going to be a seller's market um pretty clearly which you know crazier things have happened maybe it benefits the knicks but like a lot of teams in it. There's a lot of teams that aren't currently in playoff or playing position that would like to be and that are still fighting to be. So that would only further, um, you know, make what you said uh, a minute ago uh, correct. This is not going to be like, oh, we could get this guy on this cheap price. Yeah, that 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 ain't that ain't happening. A lot of parity. Yeah, it's gonna drive the market. So without further ado, for the next slide, I figured, why don't we take a look at the salary cap sheet. And one thing we could do is I wanted to just kind of go from the, from the bottom. Well, I mean, we could also go from the top to the bottom, um, but maybe bottom to top might be a little bit more fun. Uh, it basically just talking about each player where we think they're at and, you know, some we've already discussed, but so John for uh, miles Deuce McBride, I don't see him going anywhere right this moment. No, I, I just think he's, he's important to the team this year. And I think, that's really what we're talking about. It seems like you. Um, yeah. And, and I'll just preface my thought process for every one of these. It's like, it's really, it's a scale. Like, it's like, what does he mean to the team current to the next current team? Um, what does he mean? It's, it's not a scale because scales goes just one direction or another. This is like a three-way scale. I know that's not a real thing, but like there's, what does the player mean to the team currently? What does he mean to the team potentially in the future? And contract works into that. And then there is what might he mean to another team presently? And I guess what might he mean to another team in the future? Like right now where deuce falls on all those scales, I don't think he's going anywhere. Agreed. Jericho Sims. Don't see him. Yep. Great. Uh, next, let's talk about both these players. Sfima Kellick and Ryan Archidiakono. Really? Are we going to? <laughs> 
based on the fact that McCulloch has uh, McCulloch has fifty thousand dollars guaranteed. Archie Diacono has no money guaranteed. The last day to waive a non-guaranteed player would be uh, without the deal becoming fully guaranteed is January seventh, and all contracts become guaranteed on January tenth. Now, the fiscally thing, a fiscally smart thing in this case would be cutting Archie Diacono. Keeping um, Mikhailuk on the books with his $50,000. One of them becomes guaranteed. You create a roster spot. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I really believe, and I, you know, this could be completely wrong, but something tells me that the Knicks are very comfortable waving Mikhailuk, eating the $50,000 as a cap hit, opening up a roster spot, and that way they can more easily make a trade moving forward. Um, it just, I think there's something about Archdiakono where, I believe he, he's got like a leadership role where he, just, like, I, I don't want to say he's a Theo Pinson type because they're very different in terms of personality and, and everything, I mean, but, but just like a 15th man who brings an energy that is really good for this Knicks team. And it seems like that's, that's the role. They're just, it's a different type of energy they really bring. Practice player, tips guy, Brunson's boy from Villanova. Like we yeah. don't need to say anything else. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. But I believe Makai Luke might be shown the door and maybe he can come back uh, in some capacity, but we shall see. Uh, Quinn Grimes, no. Uh, we talked him out quickly. I don't want to spend too much more time talking about Emmanuel quickly in the sense of moving him and moving this season. Uh, as I've said to you, as I said to others when we were in our town hall, I think there is logic, depending on what the conversation is, for moving quickly this summer. I don't think there's much logic in moving him this year. You're either quickly, quickly getting someone moved. who's a high-impact player this season, or you don't move him. That's really it. Either that or some team bl- like blows you away with an offer centered around a pick that has the potential to be a, not only has the potential, but like is it seems more likely than not that the pick is going to be at the very least a very premium asset. And I just I don't see where I don't see where that is. So right. I completely agree with you on quickly. And for what it's worth, we're not talking about like, oh, a Milwaukee Bucks pick that's like five to 20 unprotected, like protected. We're talking about something that is illegitimately, this is likely to convey in the lottery, in, you know, the late teens or whatever it is, but it really has to depend on the deal until that happens. Just not interested. Uh, Obi Toppin. Want to talk about a little bit later, but I just want to point out there wasn't, there was a report this past week from Sean Devaney or, from someone who was talking with Sean Devaney, where it was an executive that had mentioned that the Knicks and the Pacers had discussed Obi Toppin. Um, I'm not surprised. And the reason I say I'm not surprised, I'm surprised maybe about the timing. And to be honest, I wanted to have the Obi Toppin conversation in a few months from now. And we still can. We still can. But it kind of spoils what I was hoping I could delay for a little bit longer. Um, I don't want to attack a reporter's credibility just say there is an upper tier of reporters. Um, and this one is maybe not in that upper tier, but I, I will leave it as I think that we can talk about how the Knicks have not given Obi Toppin the opportunity that he deserves. And also that as long as Julius Randall is here and as long as Julius Randall is playing like this and you have Obi Toppin, Entering what would be next year, the fourth and final season of his rookie contract. For his own sake, he'd have you have to move him. But for right now, there's no urgency to do that, especially while he's injured. But even after that, there's no urgency to move him this season. So I'll turn it over to you. I, I don't know anything about Sean Levaney. I don't. I know he's had reports in the past that have not come to fruition. Um, or he, he's reported that like teams have talked trades about certain guys, and then like those. Trades did not come to fruition. Um, do I think Sean Devaney is like making this up? Absolutely not. And that's because teams talk all the time about all sorts of players. These conversations happen all the time. I think when you're talking about like different reporters um, <sighs> distributing things that they've heard in different ways um a good example like a, a counterpoint would be like ian bagley who i say all the time and i hope Ian doesn't mind me saying this but like 
I'm just going to say it. Ian knows a lot more than he lets on. There's a lot of shit that he could put out there as far as like things he hears. Cause man, I, I'm, I would bet a lot of money that he hears a lot more than he, than he reports. And that's because when he puts something out there, it's going to be because there's real legs to it. Um, do I think again, the Nixon Pacers probably talked about uh, something the, was there a phone call phone calls made? Sure. Absolutely. I don't doubt it for a second. Do I think that means Obi Toppin should be packing his bag for Indianapolis? No, I do not. Agreed. Next is Cam Reddish. We've talked certainly enough about Cam and, and we know where that is headed. All right. Isaiah Hartenstein. John, I have I want to turn to you first because I have a, I have an idea that I know is not going to come to fruition, but I think it's a fun idea. I think Isaiah Hardenstein is a nice player. And I think he, if there's, if there's one big critique that I would have of Tom Thibodeau this year, it's his use of Hardenstein. And the fact that um, you just, you have a player who has a certain skill set on offense and you're not really utilizing that skill set. And you're also putting him into, positions in particular on the defensive end where you're perhaps exploiting more of his weaknesses than um you know would is necessary. Uh for all those reasons, even with all those reasons, I don't get the sense that they are in a rush to trade Hardenstein because Hardenstein is a guy who seems like he's like it's like he's I don't know, he seems like a good team guy we have no reason to believe he's not a good team guy um he's a guy that could come in there and like do the job for the most part i know the defense seems like it falls apart when mitch isn't in the game and to a certain extent that is kind of true um but i don't know how much i blame hardenstein for that i i more than anything i think this team fears the possibility of Mitch going down with an injury for a sustained period of time. And I think they like having three centers on the roster who they feel comfortable playing significant minutes if need be. And maybe if they had their druthers, Hardenstein wouldn't be one of those three and they would swap him out for a guy that is fits a little bit better knowing now what they know. But all that said, I don't yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Would it shock me if Hardenstein was traded? Absolutely not. Do I expect it? No. Fully agree. Completely agree. Uh, I, again, I want to say I do not think that he will be dealt. And if he is dealt, I don't think it would be for essentially nothing in return. But a really funny scenario would be if the Knicks called up the Clippers, who are in desperate need of a backup big, especially behind Zubats, and traded him into the Serge Ibaka traded player exception. Oh my God. You and with the, the traded gener- player exceptions. But I'm saying it's, but I'm saying it's not, it's not going to happen. I don't see it happening, but it'd be funny to me if it's Why like is the it? Knicks. Well, because I don't think the Knicks would create a situation where they would move. They would take a player away from their rotation and not add someone to it. Now it would, the funny thing is trading Hartenstein into the traded player exception. The Clippers have, and the Knicks would probably ask for a second or uh, two second round picks from the Clippers that creates uh, what in this case would be, you know, pretty much around a $7.8 million trade player exception for the Knicks. They might, right. It might be a little less because the Knicks might have to take back a minimum salary, depending on the Clippers roster situation. But then if that's the case, the Knicks can create that trade player exception, get some second round picks or a second round pick, and then go to another team and say, Hey, any, any salary you want to dump into ours? Like, Called the Jazz. Hey, Ru- hey, do you want to move Rudy Gay? We'd eat his salary and you can just dump it in there and we won't ask for it. We don't have to move any money. And then we could ask you for a second round pick. It's basically doing what the Knicks did with Ed Davis, but with Hartenstein. And it doesn't have to be Rudy Gay. Right? Like it could be, it could be anything. They could even trade for a center that makes less of a matter to, around that money. I was about and, to say, swap it out. there's a lot of disposable centers around the league that don't need minutes if they're on your roster, but that are serviceable enough to give you some minutes and uh, the Clippers, I just looked it up. They have, they don't own anybody else's second round picks, but they have all of their own second round picks um, other than the year 2027. Mm-hmm. So like there's, you know, they could certainly trade a couple of seconds and then just looking at like, is there a team out there that maybe has a center on the roster 
their roster that is making, and you've talked about this a lot, and maybe we'll touch on it again this episode, making money into next year that they are looking to get rid of. And like, I, I'll, I'll take a gander. I, I, there's nobody obvious that comes to mind. Um, but you never know. Um, I, I, you never know. Yeah. And listen, I mean, it's a, this type of move or moves would be margin moves. It would basically be, Hey, you know how the Knicks just lost 2025 second because they got Jalen Brunson, how you replenish a little bit, or, you know, how they moved seconds to draft in or to, to buy their way into the first round again. And the 2020, to NBA draft. Well, that's how you replenish your stock there. So again, don't think it's likely, but I think it's one of those, like the, one of those moves where it's like, yeah, it, it's just not going to take place all at once. So we shall see. You know, who's, what would the traded player exception would be Isaiah Hardenstein's salary? I think it'd be that minus the salary they get coming back. But in this scenario, they wouldn't be getting any salary back from the Clippers, right? They would be getting a minimum salary. They don't have to. I mean, the Clippers could cut that player. But the interesting thing about that is like he does have a trade bonus. So, and they're already paying so much for taxes, uh, luxury taxes, that you'd imagine they'd want to shave a little bit off if they could. Yeah. They don't have to. They could just cut, you know, one of the minimum guys. But if they could move away from doing that, I think they would like to. Jerrell McGee makes five point four million this year and six point uh excuse me, five point seven next year. Oh, that's a player option. And no, that's not yeah. Work. I was gonna okay. say the issue with that is if it were just like a team option at the end, I could have. Yeah, I was about to say it, if it was a team player option. option yeah. It's uh, a no go in my mind. So good job by the mass for office giving yeah. him a fucking player option in twenty twenty five. Anyway, so and, and the promise of a starting role with, in which he has not had. But Hey, look, he made an impact, unfortunately, in that Knicks-Mavs game, but contract well worth it for them. Um, So that's Hartenstein. RJ Barrett, I would be shocked if he's dealt this season due to the poison pill where his outgoing and his incoming salary is just completely out of whack. The scales are tipped ridiculously. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Derek Rose, we've discussed him. Certainly would understand it. Would be very surprised if Mitchell Robinson moves. You say the same thing, not, I would imagine. Not just not gonna happen. Agreed. Evan Fournay, we certainly talked about him. I think there's if the right trade is there, makes total sense. And then I don't see Julius Randle going anywhere. Do you? Not unless there's a shocker, someone coming on the market who we really are not anticipating right now. Yep. And Jalen Brunson, he's a Nick. It's gonna stay that way. Be like Nick for a long time. Yes. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So, all right. We worked on that. Uh, I want to talk about John. Are you familiar with Darko? Not uh, the Darko Milicic, but Darko the analytics. I am familiar with it to the extent that I know it is a career projection um, analytics tool mm-hmm. that I I find how it projects players so deep into the future based on. Like for instance, the 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 graphics that I've seen of Darko will take like someone that has played a year or two years or like less than three years and then project out like their next like two, three, four, five years. I get a little uncomfortable with that. Yes. Uh but uh it seems like it's a cool thing and yes, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, I get I mean they're projections, right? That's not what's going to happen. But I, I want to talk about three things today. Uh, one is Darko. They've got uh, DPM, Daily Plus Minus. It's really, it's great stat. Uh, there's another, which is EPM, Estimated Plus Minus. That's um, that's great. Uh, it's dunks and threes. They do a great job with that. Cool. And the third thing will be cleaning the glass. And they're based, again, as we look at it, there are all the, so many different other factors too to consider. But I just wanted to get a sense of of as I'm presenting and maybe show trajectory and and all that and and what goes on. So the first thing I want to do is just talk about the players on the Knicks because you've got Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, and RJ Barrett. And I'm looking at past seasons and seeing how they all kind of have lined up, right? Because there's a quick desire, for example, to move Evan Fournier and, and Cam Reddish for some, but also why? Why is that? Is there a way that... How bad are they? How good are they? What can we infer from from what we've got so i mean it should go without saying but emmanuel quickly has been the best of all five of these it, it's just very apparent he's been the on the rise love him. they do and they should he's been fantastic um he's been fantastic Grimes, in every aspect of the game with the exception that he doesn't make quite enough shots we sh- do yes. need to say that yes exactly and he's been he's done a far better job in the past two seasons of making shots this year just has been really tough. And even still the analytics love him. Yep. Uh, as Grimes has been completely on the upward trajectory. He's been great. RJ Barrett was looking shaky and he's stabilized nicely. He's on the up and up. And then you've got Evan Fournier dropping off fairly precipitously. And then you have Cam Reddish who is pretty much around where Evan Fournier is right now. It seems like, there is room for, for growth for where he's going to go, both in age and, and just where the line is looking for overall uh, daily plus minus. But they're around the same tier. And uh, you can clearly, if you're watching, you can clearly see there's the difference between where the latter three players I mentioned, Quentin Grimes, Manuel Quickly, and RJ Barrett are, and where Evan Fournier and Cam Reddish are. I mean, the, <laughs> these are publicly available tools. By the way, yeah, and NBA teams have a lot of other stuff that we don't have access to that give them a sense of what players are worth targeting and are not worth targeting. And I would just again 
Evan Fournier is a different conversation because he makes a ton of money and there's years left on his contract. Any NBA team, any NBA team could have Evan Fournier, could have, excuse me, Cam Reddish today, just like they could have had him a month ago, just like they could have had him at any point over the summer for a second round pick that was going to be pretty decent, that we're, we're sure could be pretty decent. That's what I believe. That's my two cents. Absolutely. Disagree if you want. You, do, do you agree? Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. He's still a Nick. Mm-hmm. So again, all these teams have ways of letting, like letting them know how good a player really is. And that's all I'll say about that. Sure. Um, but I do want to, I should say that Darko is, they did a poll with 30 executives around the league and Darko was the clear front runner of this is while it's publicly available, it's still something that NBA teams rely on at a very high level. Naming it the best, I think is, it That's says impressive. something about it. Yeah, it no, that's a good job. Um, I want to break it down a little bit, though, because there's offense and there's defense. And so the offensive uh, DPM here, it shows that Barrett is on the rise, quickly is on the come down, but he was peaking at a nice point. Um, Fournier has been falling. Cam Reddish might be, you know, positive growth here. And Quentin Grimes actually lower than all of these guys. Granted, he's the youngest in terms of, you know, came into the but, league later. So but a recent uptick, a big but recent, a recent uptick. uptick. He's, yeah. he's really going nicely up there. So, and then you look at the defensive side and Ooh boy, how about them apples? Manuel quickly, phenomenal defender. Quinn Grimes, phenomenal defender. Um, and then you have Cam Reddish, who is still considered from the defensive DPM as a negative defender, but better than RJ Barrett, who is not doing great, but it seems he's not getting worse. Well, um, let, let's just say that I'm sorry, excuse me, Evan Fournier, not RJ Barrett. Evan Fournier, who is even killed, and then RJ, who's just been sloping down and is now back on the come up. Yeah, and this this metric for anybody who's just listening to a podcast, the the notable thing here about RJ is the we hear season up, 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 up for defense for RJ passes mm-hmm. the eye test. He was he felt like a really valuable defender that season. Um, last season, I think the defense took a bit of a step back, um, but not to the extent that maybe this chart makes it out to be. And then this season is when it felt like the defense really took a step back and it, it's starting to come up on this chart. So I guess that's a good sign. Um, and I think his defense has been better recently, but yeah, so it's been an up and down defensive, uh, trajectory for RJ. Exactly. So. Then again, just very quickly, estimated plus minus we mentioned. It's basically just talking about how valuable players are. And this actually has Julius Randle as second, not first. First would be Mitchell Robinson. Um, but he and Julius have the same EPM of plus 3.4. Uh, Quentin Grimes is below that, 1.8. Jalen Brunson, 0.7. Emmanuel Quickly is 0.2. And then everyone else is negative to some degree. And, you know, like it's a sort of thing where it's not necessarily like, Oh, if you're not, if you're below zero, you're, you're completely bad because for example, um, like you look at someone like RJ Barrett, where he's still in the 70th percentile for the offensive side, it's the defensive side where he's in the 34th percentile. So again, these are not kind of like one stat rules all in this. It's in the sense of you want to piece together all of these different things and see what the picture paints. it is interesting that Mitchell Robinson, according to the stat, has the thirtieth um, best estimated plus minus in the entire league. Um, the cleaning, uh, um, well, I'll say it because I was going to say the cleaning glass stats paint the same picture, but I think you're getting cleaning glass next. I not for this one. We can move on. To oh, okay, ones, but but yes, um, Mitch has made the numbers say that Mitch has made all as the biggest difference um, in terms of how successful the Knicks have been on the court this year and. Um, it's not surprising given the defense that they play and given how that defense operates when he is on the floor and playing at peak capacity. Um, but honestly, you know, just him being out there, it seems to just have an incredible effect, um, certainly on the defensive end, but on the offensive end as well. Yeah. And just for example, Jalen Brunson, 93rd percentile, uh, plus three in terms of uh, offense on the defensive side, minus 2.2. That'd be the sixth percentile. Shares a lot of his time with Mitchell Robinson whose defense is in the 94th percentile. So Mitch masks a lot of the inefficiencies or, or, you know, deficiencies that Brunson operates defensively. 
Um, I want to talk about 2023 free agents. So let's assume that the Knicks don't care about future cap space, right? Just we'll go through these free agents and, and figure it out from there. And I thought what would be fun is we just run through them. I, in this, um, in this presentation, John, there are over a hundred names and we can go through them really quickly. Cause there are a lot of players that were just 12023 like, free agents. No, no, no. Excuse me. Uh, through 2023, 2024, like, not for 2023. There are fewer than 100 for this. There are not that many. I'm just saying through the entire presentation, we can whistle okay. all of them. Um, but let's focus first on restricted free agents. Uh, Kobe White, and we'll alternate, right? Kobe White doesn't make no. sense. Jackson Hayes, no. Uh, right. Big guy for New Orleans. Not, not making sense. Uh, Rui Hachimura has really been bad on the offensive end this year. Doesn't make sense. Cam Reddish, next, please. <laughs> Cameron Johnson. Um, Intriguing. I don't interesting name. See, yes, I just don't see the Suns necessarily giving him up uh, unless they get something. You know, is it Kyle Kuzma that they're getting back? Is that where they're moving Johnson? How much money are they willing to spend when they have a new governor? Uh, questions we can't answer. I don't think Cam Johnson is a fit for the Knicks based on what they want. Uh, obviously, he'd fit well with any team, but I just don't think he's he's necessarily the guy they're gonna. Uh, I think. You know, and again, talk about 2023 restricted free agents specifically here. Cam Johnson is arguably the best of this group. So, like, there's some intrigue there. At the same time, you're dealing with a Suns team that kind of showed their hand with how they want to deal with restricted free agents with the whole DeAndre Ayton thing. They played hardball with him. And then ultimately, they took it all the way to the furthest possible point, which is let another team give him an offer sheet. And it was a big offer sheet. It was literally the biggest offer sheet you could give DeAndre Ayton. Maybe that's where they go with Cam Johnson. But at the end of the day, what do the Suns do? They matched. And the notion that they are going to just let Cam Johnson walk when he's been an incredibly valuable part of their team, I don't see it. Agreed. Uh, Romeo Langford, uh, spot track's great. There are a few inaccuracies. Well, he's with the Spurs, not the Celtics. Um, doesn't make sense to me. Just no reason, really. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker had a couple couple moments in the NBA. Not sure that's where the Knicks will be looking either. Uh, Goga Batadze, just don't see it. Matisse Thibel, again, fun name. Uh, he can't get on the court consistently for a healthy Sixers team. I'm not sure he's the guy the Knicks will be looking for either. Uh, PJ Washington. Now, I think that if there were questions about Mitchell Robinson or Julius Randle, Makes sense. Uh, you could even say like, "Oh, well, what about having him behind one of those players? Like, what if it's what if he's playing with Obi Toppin? I just don't see the Knicks being comfortable shelling out nope. enough money for PJ Washington to be a backup player." Same thing goes for the next player on the list, Grant Williams, who is a guy that I his his restricted free agency I think is going to be fascinating because. Mm -hmm. He clearly wants to get paid, um, and he's in a vital piece for a team that went to the finals last year. Yes, he is. I, not a play. He's a power forward, not a yeah. player the Knicks are going to be looking at. Uh, Darius Baisley, not going to move the needle in this situation. <laughs> and last, maybe, maybe at least, I don't know, Dylan Windler <laughs> for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh -uh. Yeah. So we've gone through the restricted free agents. Now let's do the unrestricted free agents. Uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, any, any dream of this would basically be, Hey, can the Knicks move Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier and Derek Rose? And I don't see the Knicks wanting an excess of cap space to that degree this summer. So I'm going to say Russ, not in the picture. Um, Kyrie Irving, please. God, next. Can we move on? Yes. Kevin Love, don't see that. No, not the right age range. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is next up. He's a player that has, had been linked to the Knicks in the past. Um, does not seem like a fit with Jalen Brunson in town. Agreed. Uh, similar could be said with Vucevic, especially with Mitchell Robinson on the team. If the Bulls are going to move Vucevic, probably be to another team, not the Knicks. Uh, Harrison Barnes, I think, is an interesting name because he is just a really good player and like still can play some on the wing. So if the Knicks did want to go like the route of just being super big, that said, does not feel like the direction that they would go. I also think he's a leader for the Kings team. That's yeah. I don't think they want to go anywhere. Yeah. No yeah. reason. Uh, Jeremy Grant speaking of don't think their team, don't think the team that employs nope. that player wants them to go anywhere. 
And uh, similarly, Miles Turner, we've already heard some reports over the last week or two that uh, the Pacers and Turner's camp are potentially going to work on an extension. Uh, also, Mitch Robinson is here. So, yeah. Uh, Karis Levert, obviously a name that the Knicks have reportedly had interest in before. Don't see it happening. Um, Will Barton is with the Wizards at the moment. Their season has kind of gone sideways, although they've won some games recently. Um, you know, he's a wing. He's an interesting name. He's a guy who probably is going to try to get um, one last decent contract. I don't know if he's going to get it. Older player, 32 years old pretty soon. Not someone I can imagine the Knicks. Not good enough at that age for the Knicks to want to kick the tires there. Mm-hmm. Christian Wood, I would be shocked just based on the fact that the Knicks don't need Christian Wood. And they, he's talking about not a Tibbs guy. Um, Terrence Ross, uh, name the Knicks have been linked to in the past, but again, not sure he's they're the team that wants to give that guy his last pretty decent contract in the NBA. Yeah. Brooke Lopez is not happening. No, he's Brooke Lopez is not going anywhere. Um, and the Knicks, again, have a center. Uh, Patrick Beverly. Uh, if the Knicks wanted Patrick Beverly, they'd probably get him right now. Um, doesn't seem like that's the direction they want to go. Yeah. Uh, similar could probably say with Kelly Oubre Jr. Just you could say, look at the need of the wing. Uh, and that's certainly possible. But the inefficiency that's there, do not think the Knicks will be interested in him. Although I will say of all the names on this list, he's, Oubre Jr. is the one I could... I'd probably be least shocked by. I'd still they, be surprised, but we'll, we'll continue and I'll show why. Uh, Josh Richardson, uh, nice game for the Spurs the other night. Again, older player, not someone that I, I see the Knicks uh, looking to, to to get in business with. Agreed. Don't think the Grizzlies move on from Dylan Brooks midseason. No, so no, 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 no. no. Um, Dwight Powell, <laughs> a name, plays <laughs> for Dallas. Uh Makes a little bit too much money for a backup center, so it doesn't quite have, doesn't fit the qualifications that we were talking about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie Jackson, don't see the fit unless the Knicks find a way to really not want uh, Deuce McBride in the rotation anymore. In which case, they could, you know, I, I, Jackson's probably more of a two than he's a one. Last I saw him, um, which is great because you can get quickly and him to both play. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is uh, less last last page of this. Uh, Danny Green is currently injured. Um, this is an interesting one because, like, I mean, he makes ten million dollars. He is probably going to come back. I don't know. There's just a lot of variables with the situation with Danny Green. Um, maybe the Grizzlies are looking forward to him coming back and contributing. I don't. I don't really know what to make of this. He's a local guy, though. Yes, I mean the advantage for the Grizzlies is it's a a proven winner who has experience you know, in the finals winning yeah. titles. And I think that means more to the Grizzlies than it probably does the Knicks, assuming green can get on the floor. And even I if he can, he, so he, he can serve as a, a coach. Um, Jay Crowder. Don't see him coming to New York. I think based on where the Knicks are at, he's just not a piece that they need, not a piece that they would consider. I don't think he's going to see time at the wing. I think he'd be much more, you know, guarding fours, don't really necessarily need that at this moment. I mean, unless we're talking about a big Julius Randle trade, no. Right. And um, we can we can skip the next one. That uh, this is Serge Ibaka and also Kemba Walker's two names down. Players who are not making the salaries that are listed. Um, just cross them off because they're making next to nothing. And also, Kemba Walker can't be traded. Period. And also, the Knicks wouldn't want Kemba Walker if he could be traded. So uh, why don't you so the name we'll, in between those two? And that would be Dario Saric. So Dario Saric, backup center or backup big, I guess, with the Phoenix Suns. Um, had a cup of coffee already with Tibbs. More than a cup of coffee. He played for Tibbs for a bit in, in Minnesota. I don't know that that experience was great for either of them. Um, does not seem like a fit for what the Knicks would be looking for this year. Agreed. Uh, Jakob Pertl, certainly going to be on the, on the after. block. Yeah, but I do not see the reason why the Knicks are going after him. Just doesn't make sense to me. No, he would require uh, a, a decent yeah, a decent haul. Mason Plumley, if they get rid of Hardenstein, there's a there's a there's a guy. Uh, unfortunately, he's making a little bit too much money. Um, so I don't really see see that one. And I've had we've had one Plumley. That's that's enough, I think. Agreed. Seth Curry, I don't see the Nets and the Knicks trading. I also don't see Seth Curry being an option 
from what the Knicks are really looking for. I mean, they could, granted, but I don't think that that's up their alley anyway. Uh, Jared Culver is uh, trying to re-, re. It's also not his salary. Again, it's another one of the. He's not making oh, six okay. point six million, so we could probably just skip him. Yeah, we can skip him. Go to Joe Ingles, who's working his way back for the Bucks. Uh, they're not looking to move him. Yep. Uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth. Don't see the Lakers actually wanting to move him. Not that they wouldn't by any stretch, but I don't, I just genuinely don't think they want to. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I it don't really either. depends on the trade, granted, but I, I think they, they like him. I think they like him enough to want to keep him and they have other salary in Beverly and none and, and Russ yeah. where they don't have to move Lonnie Walker. Like even if they're not going for it this year anymore and they come to, they have that come to Jesus moment. Like why would you get rid of Lonnie Walker unless a team was going to give a real thing for him? And I don't see the Knicks doing that. Um, Justin holiday. Once a Nick, always a Nick uh, is, Oh wait, no, sorry. Am I getting my holidays confused? No, Justin Holiday was a Nick. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I forget. No, the other Aaron Holiday is the one I was thinking of for a second. <laughs> yeah. Justin Holiday wants a Nick, always a Nick um, with the Hawks. I, I just don't see the upgrade there over what the Knicks already have. That's where I'm at as well. Uh, Hamadou Diallo, similar situation. Rock's product. Yes, he is, but just would be surprised. Uh, Kendrick Nunn. Um, if, if the Knicks are acquiring Kendrick Nunn, it's not going to be to play him. Nope. Uh, Corey Joseph could be an option, but I, Knicks don't really need another point guard. Well, yeah. I, not If they do go the a ball handler route, it's not going to be Corey Joseph. And then uh, last but not least here, Torrey Craig um, with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, good backup wing. Again, not someone the Knicks I would expect to be looking to acquire. Agreed. So I actually want to take a few of the names just to throw them in to show the comparison with Evan Fournier and Cam Reddish. Picked Will Barton, Karis Levert, Terrence Ross. And if you're watching, you can see what's very evident. And if you're not watching, uh, Terrence Ross is not worth trading for under any circumstance. It's just, just not so, at all. It just, so the huge drop off. Yeah. The, I mean, just the notion for the, for the chart for anyone listening on the podcast is just to show like Evan Fournier, we've seen him. So he is the like least sexy thing on the face of the earth. Cam Reddish, he's glued to the bench. He can't get off. He's still sexy to some, but like he's clearly not very sexy to the Knicks. So like there is this sense of like, well, if you could upgrade these sorts of players to another different player who is a name that we recognize again, someone like a Will Barton or a Karis LeVert or a Terrence Ross who has ha- who have had real moments in the NBA um, where they've like had like meaning been meaningful contributors, like you think like okay, like maybe pay a premium or some kind of price of some sort to to make that sort of swap. Um, again, not necessarily saying that the Cavs like want to trade Caris Levert, but like maybe they do. Um, this is a chart that kind of shows, based on the analytics at least, like guys like Will Barton, Caris Levert, Terrence Ross, they're not really they're not changing your life um, as a team. They're really not. Um, but if you want to look at the offensive side, really the only player who's better than zero is Will Barton. Everyone else is kind of below that waterline. And then defensively, um, they're all more skewing on the negative side. But here's the funny thing. Yeah. If you look at Will Barton, you're thinking like, oh, wow, he's like, this dude is is worth trading for. Look at, look at what it is. Uh, well, he's also really not because then this is the beauty of having to look at other stacks stats to help you with context too, where he's in the first percentile on the defensive end, according to EPM, the 14th percentile on offense. And he's 32 years old. He's turning 32. Um, and he's just, I mean, you know, efficient, inefficient. He's the 10th percentile among wings. He can't finish at the rim. 12th percentile. Can't even like, finish in, in the mid range, like 17th percentile. It's bad. You're basically talking about a guy who can shoot threes and isn't doing much in other areas on the court. The the complicated part of this conversation, just to to hit it on the head for me at least, is that like if you're gonna sit here and tell me that the Knicks could be a better team if they swapped out or lessened significantly, do some prize minutes and inserted a guy who, again, Will Barton is is a guy. He's a name who has had meaningful moments as an offensive player in the league and like is clearly an offensive threat more than Deuce McBride is right now. Like, yeah, I can, I can buy that. Is it worth it 
for the Knicks for where they're at based on the ages of these players, based on the investment that they have in one player versus what they would have to invest in another. Um, the defensive side of the ball is also worth mentioning here, but also like right now, like Emmanuel quickly, we've just seen him score. What did he score the last two games? 35 and 27 points. I think less, whatever it is, he's averaging over 20 points a game for the last seven games. He's played with the ball in his hands, doing a lot of cool stuff. Really, really reaching new heights. If you're trading for a guy like Will Barden or Terrence Ross or, or Karis Overt or any of these players, might it make your team better? Yeah, it might make your team better. But at what expense? Not only do some pride, but like, let's maybe keep giving Emmanuel quickly the ball. I know the backup minutes haven't gone so great this year so so far um, without Jalen Brunson on the court or without, Jaylen, without Julius Randle on the court. Um, but like, hey, maybe this is what a smart team does. Keep giving those minutes quickly. Keep giving those minutes to RJ, again, to run the backup units. See where it takes you. Keep giving Deuce McBride time. Like, not the worst thing in the world. Agreed. And then I just want to show a few other players. Uh, still having Fournier and Reddish, but now adding Kelly Oubre Jr., Josh Richardson, and Patrick Beverly. Um, Beverly is the best out of all of these. He's actually a positive player. I think a huge thing is how he's being used in LA. He's being used to guard wings. He's he's guard. It's really what he is. But he's still, you know, he's on the decline. It's very evident to see. Um, the other players, they're, you know, Kelly Oubre and Kelly Oubre Jr. Kelly Oubre Jr. and Josh Richardson are ascending. They're getting close to that neutral point. But again, you have to split it up. On the offensive side, Kelly Oubre Jr. looks great. He does. He's he's looks the best out of he's, all of them. He's shooting Got, a lot this year. He is, but that's the thing. <laughs> He's shooting a lot. It's not a that he's lot. shooting it well. He's just shooting a lot. Isn't he averaging um, like 20 a game? He's doing it's, or whereabouts? It's up there. Um, he's not efficient, as I mentioned. And Josh Richardson, you're seeing more of an increase. But then when you consider the defense, Kelly Oubre is the worst out of all of them by a significant metric. Um, the gap between him and Patrick Beverly on the defensive end, as you could expect, is night and day. And... Uh, I just, I don't know about you, John, but I feel like for all of these players that we've discussed, none really fit cleanly. Would you no, agree? It's, 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 a, it's less about the fit for me. And it's more about just like, is it worth it? Like, well, that's again, what I mean by fit. Not, yeah, not like position. It, yes. I, I understand. Okay. So it, it is again, is it, can you sit here and be like the Knicks are better, will be a better team tomorrow if they swap out Deuce McBride's minutes for Patrick Beverly's minutes? Yeah. I, I could, I could buy that. Patrick Beverly, I know he's not shooting worth a goddamn this year, but like he has a track record of being able to hit some threes. Um, he's a pest and a half. Uh, you know, defensively, I think he's still, he's still got some upside. Like, that's not enough of an upgrade or, or worth it for me to, to, to for me to pull the plug on 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 Deuce, that's for sure. Agreed. Right.